Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my grandpa, Mike. Um, my dad is is out sick today, like everybody else after the holidays. Um, but uh, we'll hold down the fort while he's out uh, and recap this crazy, way more dramatic Raiders game than I think any of us uh, imagined. But, but hey, nine in a row. Uh, Niners pulled it out. Uh, wasn't the prettiest of games, but... Uh, you know, once again, you know, just like those games early in the year that we said these these are going to haunt us, every single one of these wins counts, and this one counted big because the Packers took care of the Vikings, meaning they took them to the woodshed. That game wasn't even close, um, and now the Niners hold the second seed, which, uh, you know, if we win in the first round, guarantees us two um, home games or, you know, two games with home field advantage, a huge going into the playoffs, don't have to travel, uh, get the, you know, stadium rocking, supporting the defense, quiet for Brock Purdy in the, in the offense. So big, big implications of this game, but, uh, you know, excited to break it down um, today. So, Grandpa. Yeah. What were you thinking? I, I know you didn't get to watch the game live. You were tracking it on your phone. That had to be the most stressful game ever. Well, it was. And I, I did get to see it afterwards. So I've yeah. seen the game. It wasn't live. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was the complete opposite of what I thought was going to happen. And just to kind of regroup a little bit, during last week, the Raiders announced that David Carr would not be their quarterback and <clears throat> that Jared Sidhelm or Sidham Sid would take his place. And I'd never heard of him. So I had to look him up and I got real giddy thinking, well, this is going to be good. You know, we're playing a guy that's never started a game. Um, and <clears throat> And wouldn't you know, I mean, he looks terrific and he drove him right down the field and it's seven to nothing. And I'm going, what the heck? Yeah. Um, and this was just one of those moments where the offense really picked up our defense. All year long, our defense has been the soldier, you know, yeah. and, and the offense has kind of come along for the ride. Um, but so we we did have a good offensive showing and and that's good uh we won the game and like you just said josh it's all these games are so important because of the seating and home field to me you know it it means a lot um for many reasons and especially with a rookie quarterback um but and we have a chance to get the number one seed. Yep. Probably not very good of a chance because Philly would have to lose to the Giants and they're a 14 point pick. So right. probably not going to happen, but you never know. Um, so, you know, we're, we've got the number two seed, which is phenomenal when you think of how we started the, the season. Um, losing to the Chicago Bears, who have won three games, and then later losing to Denver, eleven to ten, yeah. and, and later losing to Atlanta, three games we probably should win. We could be easily what's that, fifteen and one. Yep. But uh, anyway, um, so this was a nail biter, and it just—I mean, the statistics. There were fifty-six first downs. 954 yards, 71 points, mm. and 23 points in the last 13 minutes of regulation. Um, and we gave up 500 yards, and it just bothers me how this can happen. But um, anyway, um, we, 
it's a win. I I know when uh, when um, Robbie Gold missed that field goal, I thought, oh boy, it is not our day because a lot of things had gone wrong during the game, and now we've missed a chip shot, and I thought that could do us in, but <clears throat> it turned out it didn't, and um, we'll talk a little more about some of the key plays and. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention to the older group, I shouldn't call them older group, I don't know. Um, but so this, this guy, this Raider quarterback shows up and he's wearing number three. And my first vision was of Daryl Monica, who you don't know probably, um, but he was the Raider quarterback in the 60s and 70s. And he wore number three and he was known as the Mad Bomber. He was from Fresno, he went to Fresno State and Notre Dame, um, but he would just throw these bombs. And he was, so there's the Raider quarterback number three, and it just brought me back to Daryl Monica for those that have been around a while. Um, so yeah, I'm delighted we won. So um, there was some sloppiness and mm -hmm. um, things we have to clean up, but now we're home for one more game against Arizona and um, that'll be, it's always going to be interesting because we, we want to win this game to maybe get the number one seed and Philly's playing at the same time slot as us. So we have to go all out and not rest people. Right. So anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, Vi the Vikings play right before us. So really pretty much, you know, at our game time, if they lose, which once again, they probably won't lose because they're playing the bears at home i believe uh but if they lose then we were a lock for the for the number two but uh, just like we're looking ahead to the eagles saying oh they're 14 point favorites uh that would be crazy if they lost and we could you know move up a seed the vikings are thinking thinking the same thing they're looking at the niners saying ah dang it they're playing the cardinals and they're 14 point favorites <laughs> yeah Actually, Minnesota's at Chicago. Oh, it's at Chicago. Oh. Yeah. And Willis isn't going to play. So mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't even know who the Bears' backup quarterback is. But um, yeah. anyway, this will all play out. And um, yeah. we're, we're, we're in very good shape. We're getting people back. And yep. uh, just don't, no injuries. Win the game and no injuries. Right. Um, yeah, some of my thoughts on this Raiders game, it was, I mean, it was such a, such a crazy game. Um, uh, I'll kind of divide my thoughts in between the offense and then the defense. Um, you know, the offense, as you said, they, they carried the defense. They scored more points than the defense allowed, which obviously is the key to winning any football game. But we've been blessed and spoiled with a defense that makes it easy to, uh, you know, um, score more than the other team if the other team is only averaging uh whatever 12 13 points that we've been kind of letting um opposing offenses average uh but you know they they moved the ball downfield they did the right thing i think christian mccaffrey had an outstanding game uh but what i really want to point out and it's kind of garnered a lot of attention and talk and even in the middle of the game everybody's like oh like what's gonna happen is brock purdy was put into a very tense situation he had some miscues some missed throws uh that you know multiple times he he probably th threw it kind of more conservatively um he'd even kind of miss guys when he should have they should have been more layups and it was like okay is brock Purdy gonna you know fold or you know stand up to this moment um and once again props to the coaching staff props to brock Purdy. You know, he came out, especially in that last drive. Uh, I, I felt a little like excited when they tied the game with a minute 11 to go. And we had all three of our timeouts. I was like, they left way too much time. Um, we can get down the field. We have, you know, total confidence in, in Robbie Gold. I was genuinely surprised that he missed that field goal. Um, uh, I hope he doesn't miss another one. But Brock Purdy, what did he do? He made some amazing throws and it was all going back to his timing, going back to the fundamentals and that connection that he had, he's created with uh, Brandon Ayuk the last uh, few weeks. 
I mean, those were strikes um, right over the linebacker's hand, perfectly in stride. Those slants were a thing of beauty. And watching those back on tape, unguardable. You know, Brandon Ayuk is proving to be worth that first round draft pick because that guy can run routes like nobody's business. Um, off the line, he is so quick and he creates space. I mean, so well for those slants. Um, the only thing that he really misses is maybe, you know, a couple, a couple inches of height or something, but he makes up for it in speed and uh, delivered when we needed him the most. Um, and that connection was awesome. Uh, so props to Brock, Brock Purdy, props to the, to the offense for, uh, for, you know, making it through some adversity i think that's good to see before the playoffs um did not expect to see it versus the raiders i thought we would see it against the bucks who we blew out um but hey it's it's another feather in our cap it's another lesson to be learned um and will be value experience valuable experience going into the into the playoffs and then on the defensive side yeah it, very kind of surprising to see and, and you know this is always kind of the risk of going against a quarterback uh that you don't have tape on I mean, it's similar to in baseball going against a, a a pitcher or or a hitter if you are the pitcher that you don't really know what to expect um and nick bosa admitted that they they underestimated him that they were leaving lanes open they were being a little bit sloppy um and he was taking full advantage of it i mean really full advantage of it uh, and uh, was able to lead the Raiders um, down the field, score touchdowns, put up points. Um, and in the end, you know, as much as our defense let up, you know, 500, allowed them to gain 500 yards. The difference was once again, turnovers. Um, not only did we have two interceptions, uh, one that was obviously super, super key set up the game-winning field goal. Offense didn't have to do anything other than kneel the ball in, in the middle of the field. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to that fourth down stop on the one, two-yard line uh, that was in, in a game this close. And that was the difference. I mean, that was literally seven points off the board. Uh, and as much as they had bended and bended and even broken sometimes the that that stop was huge eric armstead that the, there's a shot from behind the um raiders offense kind of showing the raiders offense and uh, you know the niners in the in the end zone um and eric armstead threw this six seven 325 pound offensive guard threw him and was right there took up the whole entire like lead block. They had the fullback come in um, and stopped Josh Jacobs right where he wanted to go. It was, I don't know why you would run out Eric Armstead. That's literally what he's good at is stopping the run. Um, but, but Hey, they ran right into us and, and we stopped that, that, that was the difference. Um, we could talk a lot about, you know, Diamador Lenore and, and even that crazy, you know, Waller catch that I still to this day don't believe it. It was a catch. I think his fingers needed to be over the ball for it to be a catch, and they weren't. And then after he rolled on the ground, then they were. But whatever. Uh, it, you know, it's and once again, lessons learned. Lessons learned for the defense, uh, too. This, this game shouldn't have been this close. But now that we, we won, I actually like that it was a little close that we have uh, now we're not riding super high and cocky into the last game in the playoffs, but that we're humble, we're hungry um, and learning even before the playoffs rather than be exposed in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things I'd like to talk about Brock Purdy and his, I, I mean, I, he's a rookie. He was the last guy drafted and I just, that keeps flashing through my mind. In this game, he was he he dropped back to pass thirty five times. He was blitzed twelve times. Yep. that's thirty four percent. But I always look at how they a quarterback performs when they're getting blitzed, and he completed twelve or seven of the twelve for ninety nine yards. So that's really very good. He's a rookie, right? And you know he's beating the blitz. Um, Shanahan called two screen passes the whole game 
and com and Purdy completed both. I love the screen pass because you get the blockers out in front and they're big yards. So these two screens went for 80 yards. Right. One Ray Ray McLeod and the other one for McCaffrey. So, you know, maybe we'll have some more screens. Um, and let's see, Purdy, um, he threw five deep balls and completed one. Um, and I, I'm glad we're throwing the ball deep. That's, that's, you know, we haven't been doing that for years. Um, and those are exciting plays when you connect, you know, you can score in one play instead of 15, um, you know, four or five yards at, at a crack. Mm -hmm. um, so, but Purdy is most accurate in the intermediate area, the 10 to 20 yards. He was six for seven in this game for 84 yards and a touchdown in in that 10 to 20 yard range. Um, but yeah, the, and then you talked about the goal line stand. Mm -hmm. That was enormous. Um, there were three plays I thought that really decided this game. And that was the, the goal line stand and the two interceptions. And the last interception, Really, it was Bosa, the oh, pressure yeah. that he put on. He pushed that guy Miller right into the quarterback, and you know the ball went was a was a duck, a fluttering duck. But um, yeah, Bosa, what a presence! This guy just—he didn't have any sacks, but he had ten pre uh, pressures. Right, and you know, I mean, he's just an animal he's a beast um so yeah um the two interceptions and um the goal line stand and then uh, you know i th this the 49er defense this year has been so good except for two games the kansas city game and the the vegas game now um so I just looked at some of the great defenses of all time. And, you know, the, you hear a lot about the 85 Bears. They yep. allowed 12 points a game. And Baltimore in 2000, their defense allowed 10 points a game. Um, Minnesota's Purple People Eaters in the 70s allowed 12 points a game. The, the best defense probably was the 76 Pittsburgh Steelers who allowed 9.8, 10 points a game. Now we've been at holding teams to 15 and with this Raider game, it's now 16 and a half. So we're not quite there with those um, very famous defenses and there's others, but I just, I, I just looked at that this week and. Yeah, and I'll say something about that, you know, there's, it's well documented that the NFL has become more of a passing league, more of an uh, favoring the offense league. So even looking at average point totals across the years, you know, we, it, it's, it's gone up. So uh, it's kind of like inflation. I wonder if there's a way to adjust our 16 and a half compared to the, you know, throw to run ratio back in the seventies and eighties, because I think, yeah. honestly, I think it would about even out. Um, that's just, that's my, my youth. No, that's a very good, very good point. I mean, it is a different league. They want the excitement, you know, of scoring. Right. Um, the, the NFL has done a phenomenal job in marketing. I mean, baseball used to be, you know, America's pastime. Yeah. And that was the most popular sport for many, many years, like a hundred. And now it's football and it has been for, sometimes so um their game is very exciting um and then you make a very good point yeah but up there definitely up there you know it is uh, this is this defense been, has been a lot of fun to watch and i hope uh and i guess one more thing to say on that is it's it's very interesting to compare even this defense to the 2019 defense where we went to the super bowl that that defense was totally predicated upon the pass rush that pass rush was so dominant 
it was yeah. unbelievable. I had never in my lifetime seen anything like that. Just shut down the Vikings, shut down the Packers, or maybe it was the other way around. Um, no, that's right. Okay. Uh, and it just was, was unstoppable. This defense is more well-rounded. Um, it's consistent pressure on, on the D-line. And when we get pressures and, and sacks, Nick Bosa is a star. Uh, we have a good linebacker core. Let's hope Dre Greenlaw uh, didn't earn injure his back too bad and that he's either back this week or for the playoffs. Don't necessarily need him to rush back for this week. Um, um, you know, Dre Greenlaw is playing out of his mind this year. And then our secondary, I think, is more stout than it was back in 2019. So it's a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, obviously, this last game showed some of our weaknesses, but uh, but it is a, a different yeah. defense. Um, uh, so, you know, good defenses look different. Yeah, I agree. Um, we have one link, one um, weak link in the defensive secondary. They just go at number 38. I mean, yep. just constantly. And, and he has trouble. But anyway... Yeah. Yeah. So in this game, just looking at the box score, um, we had 27 first downs, which is the most first downs we've had in a game this year. And I remember Bill Walsh saying once upon a time that if if you could get 22 first downs in a game, you're going to win. And so we, you know, we had 27. They had 29. Um, and we rolled up 454 yards, so it was kind of just this offensive show. Um, and but the other good news from Sunday is in the red zone, we were four for six, and that's been one of our struggles this year. Is when we've got to the red zone, we have trouble punching it in. Um, on Sunday, we we did very very well. So. Um, that was good to see. Our penalties were high. We had nine penalties for 71 yards. Um, the penalties have been down for a long time, you know, four or five a game. Very good discipline. And um, so this game, I don't know, it just, it had a lot of holes, but we still won. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, definitely not our best game, but um you know, we, we, we made the plays when it, when they counted, like we talked about the fourth goal, the fourth and goal stand that interceptions, uh, even the offensive plays key third downs. We went the four for eight on third down, you know, 50% is not bad in the NFL. Um, yeah. and, and made and took advantage of our red zone opportunities. So, uh, you know, we, it was one of those games that we had a lot of a lot of unfortunate events and then some really fortunate events and it ended up you know winning in overtime so all in all yeah good you know good win uh good once again i think there's a lot to learn and it's easier to learn from a win um but uh, a good test for the niners and our even mentality mentally staying in a game all the way to the very end is is good preparation for the playoffs you know, what's interesting in our discussion here on this podcast, <laughs> it's um, McCaffrey. We've hardly mentioned him. He gained 192 yards. I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, so we're now, you know, we've expected, we expect him, we accept it, and we hardly have talked about him tonight. But <clears throat> anyway, he is just phenomenal and as I have said, since we got him, he made us an elite team. We're now an elite team. Um, and when Debo comes back and Mitchell, I mean, it's like, who, who, who can stop this? Who can stop it? I know. And it's one of those things as well that I'll, I'll mention because it's been fun to see, you know, if Elijah Mitchell doesn't get hurt we don't see Jordan Mason get some of these touches that he's gotten we don't see Ray Ray McLeod get these touches and that touchdown last week um and the the screen pass that went for like 40 yards this week 
um, if, if Debo is not hurt. So it's one of those things that it, while you don't want to have injuries, injuries are inevitable. And what you want is for those guys underneath them on the roster to take advantage of those opportunities because it just makes the whole team stronger so that when you get those guys back, like you're talking about, man, now they have to, they have to account for Ray Ray because they've seen what he's, he can do. Uh, and, and they think we were going to run the ball with Jordan Mason when he's in because he's a freaking machine. He's a bust back there. That guy is um, so hard to bring down. But then <clears throat> what are you going to do? Bloop, flip around bootleg and throw to the back of the end zone to George Kittle. With Jordan Mason was in the back, was in the backfield on that play. Like they probably thought we were running. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I can't, I'm so excited for them to come back. And I'm also so excited for Shanahan to say, uh, to pull out Jordan Mason, even with Elijah Mitchell on the roster, on the field and say, hey, hey, Jordan's, Jordan's out there. What are you going to do? Um, and and kind of toy with the toy with the defense should be fun. Yeah. And, and speaking of stepping up, I mean, there's also the quarterback position that has stepped up. And who knew? I mean, we start the season with Trey Lance. There was a lot of unknown. We didn't know how he was going to do. Um, <clears throat> And he got hurt in game two and then Jimmy Garoppolo and that he was even on the team is a minor miracle. I mean, totally. we, we asked him to leave and he didn't leave. Um, <laughs> and then we find this, you know, then Jimmy gets hurt and Purdy comes in and he, he's, I, I mean, the guy is, you know, they're going to make a movie out of this. This is, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it, I think the first week of uh, Brock Purdy when we knew he was going to start, but uh, he is, um, he's a reincarnated carnated Jimmy. Um, he has a lot of things similar to Jimmy and we'll talk about in a second about and how that looks with the Cardinals. Um, but I'm starting to call him Jimmy 2.0. Cause he is, I, I think he, he is better than Jimmy um, or his ceiling is at least higher than Jimmy. Um, yep. because once again, he's a freaking rookie. Jimmy didn't even play or start a game until I think his third year in the league. And he got to sit back and just learn the offense and learn Belichick's system and, um, well, not Belichick system, but learn the Patriot system and, you know, learn from Tom Brady, yep. uh, this Brock Purdy kid, man, he, he's dang impressive. Uh, it's, it's so fun to watch. It, it, it truly is. I mean, it's, it's a Cinderella story, and yeah. it's nice that it's with our team. Exactly. exactly. Um, I sent you a video today. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it, but <clears throat> one of the radio stations in San Francisco interviewed his father. Okay. And it's very candid. It's a great interview. And, um, you know, he just, they're just normal people. Yep. <laughs> he, yeah. He, you know, um, he talked a little bit about after the Miami game. So they grew up, I'll just touch on this a little bit. They, the family grew up Miami Dolphin fans. And wouldn't you know, his first game is against the Miami Dolphins. And the reason Brock Purdy wears number 13 is Dan Marino. And it goes on and on and on. And then after the game, um, they were kind of in awe to meet, you know, Nick Bosa and Kittle. And, you know, it's like, whoa, <laughs> we see you on TV. I know. <laughs> and it's just the way he explains it is so real. His dad, I guess, played baseball um, once upon a time and, and ended up in Miami. And um, so they, <clears throat> but, and then he, you know, he also said, Later on, they asked him about, you know, draft day. And did you think you were going to get drafted and, and all of that? And he said, we didn't know we had, you know, some feelers, some teams contact us. They were always talking about free agency yep. and, you know, the phone would ring and Brock would go in a, in a bedroom and talk because there were a lot of people at his house and he'd come out of the bedroom kind of dejected well um, it was just you know we, we like to talk to you about free agency after the draft okay then he came out and 
told everybody that the Niners are going to draft me. So yeah. the place went crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. But anyway, yeah. great interview when you have time. It's 25 minutes long, so but okay. you'll really enjoy it. That's cool. Yeah, um, funny that you sent that because also uh, Brock Purdy was on the Murph and Mac show on KNBR for the first time today. And so I, I listened to that interview and they asked him some similar questions. They asked about his dad, a longtime minor leaguer, um, and just kind of how surreal this kind of whole thing has been. And uh, yeah, you could just tell he's a you know, super good kid. He's trying to stay humble, but a confident at the same time uh, and is, is just trying to soak, soak up as much as he can. Uh, you know, he is he's a sponge right now and he's doing everything he can to really uh, the pressure that he puts on himself is that he's on a Super Bowl winning Super Bowl caliber team and he doesn't want to let them down and uh, that he believes that every everybody, uh, you know, uh, deserves to win the Super Bowl and he's he's trying to play up to everybody else. Um, so, so far, yeah. so good. Yeah. It's well, an awesome. amazing story. Yeah, yep. for sure. For sure. Let, let's transition over to, to Cardinals week. Second time we've seen him this season. Um, took care of business the first time around down in Mexico. That was an awesome game, awesome setting, environment. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, this one's going to be a lot different, though. Um, this one, we are uh, not even facing their second string quarterback. We're facing their third, once upon a time, fourth string quarterback. Uh, and it's at home. Um, and you know, the Cardinals are four and 12 and we're 12 and four. So this, the, this game, you know, as we already mentioned, Niners are favored by 14 points. So it should be a game that the Niners, uh, dominate that the Niners put away early and can hopefully rest some guys in the fourth quarter. But, yeah. but until that point, the Niners have to treat this game like it's the most important game of the season because we do not want to lose that second seed uh, and don't want to give the Cardinals any hope um, that they can uh, with their motley crew because they are injured up the wazoo um, that their motley crew can make a point or make a, make a fool of the, of the Niners. Yeah, it's, we should, we should handle this. Um, you know, it's, we beat them pretty good. I mean, 38 to 10 in Mexico City. And this could be another one of those. Uh, so they're, you know, they don't, Arizona is a, a strange team. Um, they were, they won their first eight games last year. And since yeah. then, I mean, they've just terrible. Terrible. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, um, you know, we should, we should win this handily. I, I like laughers. I don't like close games. And I hope that, you know, we just, it's another 38 to 10 and you can relax and um, enjoy it. Um, yeah. It is JJ Watts last game. Yeah. That's like the biggest storyline. I mean, obviously the playoff impl implications um, are the biggest storyline, but I, yeah, up there is, is, is this is JJ Watt's last game, future hall of famer, super, you know, good guy, amazing player, multiple, you know, defensive player of the year, three times. Uh, the guy is, is a machine. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, bummed to see him retire, but he, he has been beater, beated, Battered, bruised for years and years and years he's got braces and fingers taped up everywhere the guy is 33 years old looks like he's 53 yeah he is only 33 and that you know that's young um but yeah it's his last game so hopefully he won't do anything <laughs> i'll let him sit on the bench yeah, um, uh, and I'm not I'm not familiar, honestly, if he's a Nick Bosa style or a Max Crosby style uh, of meaning Nick Bosa switches left to right uh, on the left to right sides versus Max Crosby is always on the left. Uh, do we know? Does JJ Watt yeah. switch it up or does he stick to one side? No, he's he's pretty stationary. I mean, okay. they all play around a little bit, but um, yeah, Bosa can be anywhere. Yeah. And 
but JJ Watt is is pretty stationary okay. um, throughout his career. So he was at Houston for nine or ten years. Went to Wisconsin. Um, his brother plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really good. Mm -hmm. um, he was. He's been defensive player of the year as a brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a family. Seriously. Um, so, and then good. Um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but then the playoffs. Right. So we'll find out. You know, we, there's a very good chance we will play Green Bay first. Mm -hmm. Now this is all up in the air. It can settle anyway, but. Um, that's the most likely if we keep it at number two and Green Bay gets in two plays seven. So yeah. we would start the playoffs against Green Bay. At home. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. One at a time. One at a time. Arizona first. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, just FYI, the game is another Sunday afternoon game at Levi Stadium. Uh, there's a little intrigue with the weather, uh, just as many of maybe our listeners that are actually in the Bay Area, uh, we are not, but there is a ginormous uh, weather movement up there right now with winds and torrential rain. Uh, there is you know, projected forecasted rain on Sunday, uh, about I think it's a 50 to 70% chance. Um, so we'll see how the what the field conditions are like and and stuff regardless the Niners have the better team on the field uh the healthier team on the field uh but that the, let's hope the weather doesn't make, make itself known in this game hopefully it's it's not a thing that we have to talk about afterwards yeah yeah the weather is severe I had a friend of mine in San Francisco send me a little video clip of the rain today yeah and it was torrential oh yeah no yeah. there's there's flooding in some parts i know and flooded up in sacramento and then even some streets of san francisco especially you know in some of those the the lulls in between the 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 hills um yeah. there were yeah. people paddle boarding um like on surfboards um getting around so uh let's creativity let's yeah i know that's so it's we don't have to deal with any of that on Sunday. Um, yeah. Some of the you know by the numbers you know looking at this Arizona team versus San Francisco you know obviously we have you know top defense uh, our our offense has been playing well we already talked about that as in reference to the Raiders game and really Arizona I mean again you know on the offensive side they rank anywhere from the 18th uh, in the league in passing yards to 21st in average points scored. Um, but their offense is going to look a lot different. You know, once again, their third string quarterback, he, he started with this last game against the Falcons. That was actually a really close game. Not that the Falcons are any, anything, you know, anything to talk about, but, um, they beat us actually. And that's a little diss on the Niners. They can talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, you know, he, he played well, but this game they're going to be out, uh, be without Deandre Hopkins might be without James Conner. So all their stars on the offense, uh, Marquise Brown is actually supposed to play, uh, but they really shouldn't. Zach Ertz got, got hurt way earlier in the year. So all their, the reason why they're four and 12 is pretty much they've been decimated by injuries. Um, and their list of injury participants or um, practice participants, sorry, today was like 20 players long. Um, so 20 of the 70 players were uh, either limited participants and I think like 12 or 13 to 14 of those were did not participate. So they're a whole and then this offense is unrecognizable. Um, and then on the defensive side, not really much uh, there. They uh, are they are the 30th in the league in average letting other teams allow uh, or score 26 points per game. Um, and are negative in their turnover margin, um, giving up one more turnover than uh, turnovers they've uh, enforced. Forced. Right. They're playing for the draft pick. Yep. <laughs> That's, you know, so yeah, they're, they'd be better off losing. Um, yeah. One thing. And, one and other note, Brandon um, Ayuk has 956 receiving yards, so he only needs 44 
to hit a thousand. So that very likely will happen. And that's always a milestone. Caffrey mm -hmm. has just gone crazy. I mean, he's played for two teams, but he's gained 1100 yards from scrimmage. Um, you know, and he's the, not, uh, and he's not a pro bowler. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Try and explain that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, uh, Since we've had your pick, Haffery, we haven't lost. I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, it's all right. That's a good point. Um, yeah, since we since we got McCaffrey, we haven't lost. Um, that, that's a big point to be said. Well, just on his value, talk about like most valuable player. Um, that that's they're difference makers. Um, and people, you know, players like a Nick Bosa um, and like a Christian McCaffrey, I think they are definitely the defensive and offensive MVPs uh, of the year. Because yeah, we were three and four. And now look at us, we are 12 and four. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty unbelievable. It, it is. McCaffrey, and, and I, you know, said this right away, he is a first down maker. He's been, he's made 51 first downs. Um, and he's a yardage machine. He just churns out these yards. At the end of the day, he's got a hundred and something. I mean, which is... Really, it's a this is a tough league. Um, so yeah, we're this is a very fun year for me. I've really, really enjoyed it. We're winning, we have a great team, the outlook is tremendous. Um, it's yeah, we've got it all. I know, I know, it makes me so nervous. Um, just I mean, so excited, but so nervous because. I mean, it's been a while since the Niners have won a Super Bowl, and the goal is always to win a Super Bowl, but only one team wins every year, and 31 teams go home without anything. There's no there's no runner-up, and even if there was, who cares? Um, but, man, yeah, this, 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 you know, everything, even down to, you know, that we're getting back Debo and Elijah Mitchell, like, we will have everybody back besides – you know, really, uh, Jimmy, and there's rumors that he could be back, but probably wouldn't even start, but could be some depth in the QB room. Um, and, you know, Trey Lance out for the year. But besides that, even the injuries that we've sustained, they've come back. Eric Armstead has come back. Devon Kinlaw has come back. Debo and Elijah have come back. Um, you know, Kyle Juszczyk had surgery on his finger. Jimmy Ward broke his hand. Like, all these guys have come back. And besides the Trey and maybe Jimmy, we are as healthy as we've ever been um, going into, you know, into the, this last week and ultimately the playoffs. So, you know, we are, we are in well positioned, especially now that the second seed um, it's, it's so exciting. And I just really hope that we could uh, just really capitalize off the season because it has been so special. Yeah. Yeah. I think we will. I mean, yeah. um, you know, you hear from the, national media nobody wants to play the 49ers i love hearing that yep. they go that's the team we don't want to play so and they've been saying that for over a month right um yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it's it's looking good it's very exciting it's real fun yeah um one last thing uh on the cardinals themselves and then we can uh we have you know a couple other things that we want to hit on as as far as this season wrapping up the playoff scenarios um, bit of news, etc. But I think one main thing that was a bit difference maker in Mexico against the Cardinals that should also, um, you know, show its face on Sunday is the biggest difference between the Niners and the Cardinals is yards after the catch. The Cardinals allowed the most yards after the catch or yak than any team in the NFL. And the Niners on the opposite side, average the most yards after the catch uh, compared to any team in the NFL. So we have two polar opposites. Um, and I, you know, that, that bodes well for the Niners. And I think that we will try to expose that, get guys in space, make people miss, um, and it can work our way down the field just by taking advantage of that, that spacing um and the yards after the kids yeah good point 
wanted to say that I'll actually give credit to, to my dad. Um, he, he was the one that wanted me to point that out. Um, so okay. shout out to you, dad. Hope you hope you're feeling better. Um, yeah. Great. So let's do some score predictions, Grandpa. What um, what do you think the score is going to be? Do you think it's going to be another 38 to 10 or do you think it's going to be a little bit closer? I want it to be a 38 to 10. I'll say 31 to 13. Okay. Okay. 13 to 13. Right on. Um, I'm pretty close. Actually, yeah, I just take off three points on both sides. I actually, I'm predicting 28 to 10. Um, so, you know, definitely dominating the game. I think that we'll uh, get out to, a, uh, hopefully get out to a big early lead. Um, and then in that fourth quarter, we can, you know, pull some starters just to make sure that nothing happens because, uh, as we saw in the game against us, uh, when we played the Rams and the game wasn't even close, the Rams still had Cooper Cup in the game down. It was like something like eight, 15, 18, 20 points. And what does he do? Cooper Cup gets hurt. Uh, I don't want to be get have anybody get hurt if we're up by more than 14 points. I think 14 points is that that uh, that point in the second half not in the first half in the second half where you're like okay um we have a, we have some breathing room let's let's stay healthy technically looking at it arizona should not score much you know our defense their offense they shouldn't score much and and we will so you know um yep it should it should the fourth quarter we should be able to have some guys sit Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I mean, a 14 point spread, you don't really see many spreads larger than 14 points in the NFL. So um, the Niners should take care of business here. But hey, the Niners were at the at the at game time, nine and a half point favorites over the Raiders, and they made that a game. So um, these are still professional athletes. We were once an 18 point favorite. Really? Super. Yeah. Wow. And that was, yeah, against Denver, and we won 55 to 10. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. But um, yeah, that game was, that, that Super Bowl was won at, in the NFC Championship. The Super Bowl, uh, I guess the NFC Championship was the Super Bowl that year, pretty much. For, for all those years in the 90s, um, it was Dallas and San Francisco. Whoever won that game was going to win the Super Bowl yeah. by far. And, and that played out. Yeah. Well, and that honestly is kind of it's a good point. And that's definitely true. I mean, the last 10 years, maybe, yeah, probably 10 years, uh, if we're going to compare this to the NBA, the NBA has just been loaded on the West for so long. You know, seeds one through eight are so good. Um, and then on the East, they have, you know, three teams that are contenders um, and, you know, really that Western conference finals, those, those guys uh, are always coming in favored into the, into the finals, but beat each other up trying to get there. So, you know, right. the, the bucks and others have taken advantage of that. Um, yeah. So, some, yeah. Um, thanks. So, uh, you know, a couple of things here on the back end, you know, I did want to grandpa mentioned the playoff scenarios. It is most likely that, that the green Bay and Aaron Rodgers comes to the Niners. Uh, I want to get your thoughts, grandpa. I, I'm going to give you some options and I want you to tell me who you would like to play if you could choose, because it's pretty much going to be one of four teams. Um, and probably the older order of likelihood, the, the uh, Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions. Um, it's really going to be those three. There is an option. Yeah, we won't get into this. So three options. If you had to play Green Bay, Seattle, or Detroit at home, of course, who would you pick and why? I would prefer to play Seattle mm-hmm. for many reasons. Um, we owe them and we can beat them. Um, we beat them twice this year. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people say it's hard to beat somebody three times. Uh, Green Bay is getting hot. Their, um, their defense has played a lot, a lot better the last four weeks. And 
Aaron Rodgers, um, he's starting to hit, hit his receivers even, you know. So Green Bay's hot. Detroit scores a lot of points and they have no defense. So, I mean, you look at Detroit each week and they're in the thirties. Yep. They don't win all, every, every game, but Seattle, I think, um, I, I would like to play Seattle. If I had my choice, I'd, I'd take Seattle and I want to beat them bad. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'd say Seattle one, Detroit second and Green Bay third. Aaron Rodgers, I, that guy is too good to make me feel comfortable. Um, you know, Detroit has a high flying offense, but they just got they just got taken the wood to the woodshed by Sam Darnold and the the Panthers. Um, is in Carolina on the terrible field that now the Lions right. now like put in a complaint essentially that that field shouldn't even be played on. That's a kind of an interesting storyline to watch. Uh, but you know, but Detroit. Somebody made a good point that they're a team that, you know, they could get the ball to start the first half, march down the field, score. Uh, we go three and out, and then they quickly score another one. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're down 14-0 in a playoff game at home, and you're like, what the heck just happened? You know, they do. They have that ability to kind of just shock you. Um, uh, so don't really want to see them either. But I do feel that at home – um we can take care of business against seattle we made their life hell even in seattle it was closer than it should have been um and then of course we dominated them the second week um or yeah second week of the of the season but that's it's, it's been a whole different team since then so but i'd say seattle detroit then green bay but it's probably going to be green bay so here we here we are um you know next week we'll see what happens well, all right well wrapping up grandpa i know we you have a so some trivia or maybe a game we can play with our listeners? I do. We thought, you know, for our thousands of listeners that we'd um, play a little game. And um, <clears throat> it's called Guess the Player. So I'm going to give you hints. I actually have 30 hints. And, um, and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> they're all numbered. So um, and we're, this is on the honor system. So you have to be, don't cheat. Um, so see how soon you can guess this, this 49er. Okay. So clue number one, he was born in Brewston, Tennessee. Clue number two, he grew up in poverty and he had to take care of his younger brothers and sister. Clue number three, his mother left home when he was three. Number four, by age 10, he worked full-time in the cotton fields. Number five, at age 17, he left home. And he was, they were living in a double-wide trailer. And he took his two brothers and a sister with him because his father was alcoholic and he became incredibly violent. So they left home. And um, clue number six is they moved in with his high school basketball coach. He took, he took the four of them in. Um, are you guys getting close now? Do you have any idea who this might be? <laughs> so clue number seven, <laughs> his brother Dietrich drowned while swimming with friends. So he had a really tough beginning. Um, okay, so now we'll, let's get into some football stuff. He was the first player in Tennessee high school history to be nominated for the Mr. Football Award, both as an offensive player, tailback, and as a defensive player, linebacker. First, first one to be nominated both sides of the ball. Um, he had a number of college scholarship offers, and he ended up choosing Ole Miss over Memphis. So he went to Ole Miss. He's always led by example. This is clue number 10. Um, he's always led by example. He's a very quiet guy. He led us playing to his talking for him. Um, clue number 11. He's a very strong Christian. Clue number 12. 
rivals, that's the college recruiting um, outfit that tells you, you know, who's, who's the best and, and they rank the top 300. Rivals listed this individual as the 60, 6-0 best linebacker in the country at, when he was a senior in high school. He was number 60, <laughs> clue number 13. In 2005, his junior year at Ole Miss, he led the SEC conference in tackles. He averaged 13 a game. Clue number 14. As a senior, he was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. And just jumping back for a minute, Rival said he was the 60th best um, in the country. Clue number 14. As a senior, he was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I may have already said that. Clue number 15, he received the Butkus Award and the Jack Lampert Award as the nation's top college linebacker in 2006. Clue number 16, he was, of course, a consensus All-American in 2006. Clue number 17, at his pro day, he ran at 4.3840, and he was 6'1", 240, and he ran a 4'3". Wow. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Clue number 18. In 2007, he was drafted in the first round, number 11, by the San Francisco 49ers. Clue number 19. He wore number 52. Clue number 20, I think everybody has them by now. Um, <clears throat> clue number 20 is he was coached by Mike Singletary. Um, <clears throat> held Offensive Rookie of the Year, Adrian Peterson, to three yards, and he had 14 rushes. Wow. So Adrian Peterson carried the ball 14 times. He gained three yards. Um, clue number 22 against Tampa. He recorded 20 tackles as a rookie. Um, and he just did this every game. Clue number 23, in 2009, he led the NFL with 152 tackles. Clue number 24 of 30, um, he was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2007. Clue number 25, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Clue number 26, his uncle, Arthur, was a professional super middle lightweight boxer who fought future world uh, champion James Tony to a draw. Okay, so his uncle was a boxer and he fought James Tony, who was eventually going to be the champion of the world to a draw. Clue number 27, he made over 100 tackles in six of his eight seasons. Now we're getting to the end. You should have it by now. Um, clue number 28. He was named to the Pro Bowl seven times and he retired in 2014. Clue number 29. Today, today, he was named as one of the finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So they've narrowed it down to 15. They mm -hmm. can pick five. Um, but today he's named one of the finalists and the last clue number 30 ladies and gentlemen i present to you patrick willis patrick willis woo -woo. yeah so what a career what a life um seriously lots of difficulty growing up and <clears throat> he turned out to be really a model citizen and a great football player um he he didn't play that long, and that's the only thing against him. Yeah. Uh, he was eligible last year to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and that was probably held against him that he only played for eight years. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really, I was trying to find kind of any other knocks or reasons why he should be left out. Uh, and that's the only thing that people say is just really the the length of his career. So. He was a finalist last year. He's uh, another finalist this year. Um, you know, I think you stay on the ballot for 
think you can stay on the ballot for like 20 years or something like that. This is his fourth year eligible. Um, but who knows if he's going to make it this year. Uh, but he's definitely well regarded, very respected. Uh, the fact that, you know, being a finalist two years in a row, uh, this early in his eligibility, you, you got to hope that he becomes um, a Hall of Famer eventually. But the, the, he's going up against some tough competition. I mean, Darren Woodson, Reggie Wayne, Demarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, Joe Thomas, Darrell Rivas, Andre Johnson, Torrey Holt, Devin Hester, Dwight Freeney, Rondi Barber, uh, Jared Allen. Some really good players in there. And it's a max of five per year. So um, uh, we'll, we'll see. But definitely a guy to celebrate. What a player. What a guy. Uh, I didn't know that that stuff about his, his childhood. Um, but... I'm actually wearing um, his jersey right now. Uh, my middle name is Patrick, and my son's name is Patrick. So I've always felt uh, a connection to Patrick Willis. Yeah, yeah, he was phenomenal. He he was for a linebacker. He was just a he was jet fast. He could, you know, <clears throat> cover the field. Um, he ran sideline to sideline, and that was his forte. Is his speed and and he just he was a great defender yeah um, great defender. speed yeah and i would add speed known for his speed and his tackling he was just as you mentioned you know he just racked up tackles on the collegiate level you mentioned even in, into nfl that dude he was always around the ball he was so physical and it was just really good at tackling, which in football is a key skill to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, he played primarily the, he was the Mike linebacker and the way the Niners have been constructed over the years is they funnel the runner to the Mike. Yep. So when the way we rush and, you know, they kind of force the guy to, in this case, Patrick Willis. So, um, yeah, I I think he'll make it this year. I so what happens is is this small panel gets together. It's about twenty people. They're primarily reporters, um, and they get together the Saturday before the Super Bowl. The, so the Super Bowl this year, I think, is is it February eighth. So this would happen on February 7th, if I have my dates correct. Mm -hmm. And so they spend the whole day and somebody, somebody will present Patrick Willis. And to me, this is a key. It's very important, whoever does that, because you're selling the player to this panel. And um, so at the end of the day on Saturday, what happens is the um, the president of the Hall of Fame. So all these fifteen players were in a hotel room, mm -hmm. in um, let's see, will be in in uh, Arizona this year. Yeah. So they will be in a a hotel room, and if you make it, if you're one of the five, he knocks on your door and tells you in person. If you get a phone call, you didn't make it. So it's, you can imagine um, how grueling that day must be. You just don't know until either somebody knocks on your door or phones you. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I look at the list and well, there's a lot of good players. I mean, he's, he's um, he, he, can, he could be one of the five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, def definitely uh, at some point, um, I think this this year is pretty going to be pretty difficult, um, but he's he's in the running and he's up there with those guys. He's just as respected as as most of those guys. So um, yeah. I was just looking up some details. It actually looked like the committee is actually 49 people um, um, for the Hall of Fame, the selection committee. So um, there's 49, 49 of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. It used to be like 20 and, um, Peter King was one of them and he's, um, I like him. He, he's, uh, I've learned a lot from him over the years and he's one, he's on the panel. 
and he afterwards tells you what a grueling day it was. Hmm. They were debating over this and that and this and that with this guy and that guy and somebody almost made it and somebody just made it and you know. Um, so I've actually been to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio four times. I got to get there. time it was for the uh, induction and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's quite a place. Mm -hmm. uh, fun fact, the the artist or sculptor of the busts, you know, the you know, all the, the right. five guys get their busts created and go into Canton. Um, he uh, lives in Utah. So he brings out the guys to Utah, um, kind of one at a time. And they'll sit down and they'll kind of get to know him and he'll kind of right. walk through his process and stuff. There's a cool video that got put out, I think a, a couple of two, three years ago. Uh, but it's just a guy here local in Utah, which is pretty funny. Fun. Well, awesome. Well, that, that'll do it for another episode of 49ers Family. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, it's, we're getting to the end of the season. Um, just every game, just much more. Uh, intriguing and uh, just can't can't wait for the playoffs it's going to be fun but you got to take business um, take care of business this week against the Cardinals so right. until next time go Niners go Niners